every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Time for what's going on here on the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, brought to you today by our friends at Davis Vision. Their summer LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out, davisvisionmd.com, or call today, 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Been uh, pretty heavy basketball so far today, Gordon. Should we change it up and talk a little uh, football? Let's do it, because camps are underway and teams are getting ready. So let's check in with Hanson Scotty talking about the Utes and the Kooks. There is a, a really high level of communication and respect that goes between Kalani, Elisa Tuiaka, Taki, the defensive coordinator, and Kevin Kloon, who is the new linebackers coach, who was a special assistant last year. And there's a belief that that defense is going to be better than expected. Now, in turn, in regards to that, I am going to be more of a wait and see before I get out of my over my skis on this because I've got a lot of questions on how to replace a, a guy like Kairos Tonga in the middle. Now, Mahe is the expected replacement in the middle. Nasa Mahe is expected to replace him. But you remember that Tonga could take over games the way he would play, and it allowed those linebackers to do their jobs. So I've got questions, and I'm going to back off and allow guys like Chaz Ayu to show me before I just jump on board. But I'm going to tell you that the undercurrent is that there is a belief that the defensive side of the ball is really going to carry things for BYU. So that leads me to my conversation of I think now – Knowing what I know about Utah and Charlie Brewer and what I've started to kind of talk about and, and get to the bottom of where, you know, you don't have Max Tupai on the roster, but they, they're expecting Van Filliger and Carlton to do a fantastic job at the ends. You know that you've got the, one of the best linebackers in the business. Charlie Brewer is what was billed when he came, and they're seeing that as he's here now, Scotty. They're, they're buying in. It wasn't like... Um, last year where you had the S- the uh, SC guy come in uh, and you, you thought you were going to have something there and you didn't. This is a, a situation where you've got what you thought in yeah. Charlie Brewer. So as I look at these now, these rosters and the, just the first week of camp, it tells me that I believe that you've got a Utah team and a BYU team, both that should win the games they're expected to win. And what I mean by that is in the past, and I know that everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's a dumb dumb. In the no, past, that's, yeah. in the past, that hasn't been the case. Toledo, hello. Toledo, UMass. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember that. And that's the thing. Just two years ago, there were a couple with BYU. That yeah. Up until last year. scratchers. That, up until last year, that's something that's really played Kalani. Like going on the road to Camp Randall and beating Wisconsin and then right. losing Toledo. 
you know, four weeks and, later. And it's gotten Kyle, where, you know, Arizona will come out of the True. woodworks. You know, you've won three or four in a row, and Arizona comes out of the woodworks and gets you. And you're thinking, how the hell did Arizona just disrupt our entire season? I believe, Scotty, that you've got two teams that should be fundamentally sound enough, well-coached enough, because now Kalani's got plenty of experience. Aaron Roderick, who's been calling plays, as, as I talked about, going back two years ago to the Boise State game. And I know that everybody, everybody saw the Zach Wilson stuff this week, and it was like, wait, wait, Aaron Roderick called plays? Like, I've been talking about this for how freaking long? Yes. Yes, yeah, Aaron Roderick. And guess what? Play. He hasn't lost a lot of games when he's calling plays. He's a brilliant play caller. <laughs> so um, I believe at this point, you have a team that's going to win the games that they should win. So in terms of Utah, that means Weber State, San Diego State, Washington State, Oregon State, UCLA, Stanford, Arizona, and Colorado. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's eight wins. That's eight wins of teams that you will be expected to beat. You could... Put the call. You could put BYU in that conversation, but I'm just excluding the rivalry game for now. Okay. Yeah. On BYU side of things, Arizona, Southern Florida, Utah State, Baylor, Washington State, Idaho State, and Georgia Southern. There's seven wins that those are teams you should beat. Those are teams you'll be favored against. Those teams you should beat. And I know people are like, Baylor, hold on, hold on just a minute with Baylor. Baylor's got a lot of heavy lifting to do. They were not a good team last year. And their quarterback just so happens to be at Utah yeah. right now. So yeah. they're trying to figure out their quarterbacks. Now, situation. of course, as you mentioned, things can change crazy, you know, wildly in the course of a season. Absolutely. But looking at it right now. The- with what the roster looks like, yeah. looking at it right now, that's seven wins that I think BYU should knock down. That I feel comfortable saying BYU should yeah. beat those teams. I don't argue with any of those. So now the question becomes with Utah, you've got the rivalry game. And I think you and I would both favor them in the rivalry game right now. Right now, yes. Okay. So there's nine. Then you got at USC. Utah always seems to struggle in the Coliseum. Yes, they do. Always. Yeah. And then you follow that up with Arizona State at home. We'll talk about Arizona State, but they may have run into some issues as well. They've got some problems brewing right now. Stuff that's uh, actually just starting to surface is... Scott and I are doing the show. And then and then the only other game that you've got to really talk about is Oregon at home. Those three Pac-12 games at USC, Arizona State, and Oregon. Now, obviously, two of them with more importance because they're in your division. Two of them of more importance because USC and Arizona State are going to be competing for that Southern Division. And then you got Oregon that's in the mix there. Yeah. So, you know, you can everybody can talk at length about what they think they're going to do in that three-game stretch. My expectation of that three-game stretch is probably two and one. If they go two and one in that in that um, in that three-game stretch, that puts them as an eleven-win team. Well, then you're in the conversation of a college football playoff. Exactly. Which depending on I'm, what you do in the Pac-12 yeah, championship game. Yep. I'm I, and, and you know, you know, I picked Arizona State to win 
the division. I, I thought Arizona State would be the best team in the South. But as you just mentioned, we're seeing things start to surface that I, I don't know what's going to happen there. Well, I think Utah, USC, and Arizona State will finish one, two, three in the division. I would imagine in well, in, in some order, some Sorry, order, not, yeah, in some order. I agree. I like Tan's breakdown there. I, I I agree with him. I think Utah's going to be really, really good this year, and I yeah, it'd be no shock if they won the South. Uh, the question for me is, and that that is a question still. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that that's absolute. But can they go on to win the conference title? Because as Kyle Whittingham said, what else What else is left for him to do, really? Well, one step at a time, certainly, you have to okay. win the division. Can I, can I ask you this, and uh, this isn't what those guys were talking about necessarily, but PK and I got into this a little bit at Pac-12 Media Day, and I'm, I'm curious to your thoughts. Give me a team, a non-favorite team in the North and a non-favorite team in the South you think will be – a difference maker because we always see at least one of those, right? Maybe a couple of those. So outside of what Oregon and Washington in the North and outside of Utah, Arizona state and USC in the South, what give me one in each division. Well, I've talked to some people who think UCLA is going to be better than they've been given credit for. By the way, just to just to say, I'm I'm going to hold your feet to the fire on this and and give you grief throughout the year. So, oh, then never mind. No, I'm just joking. We uh, we obviously this is this is pure uh, pure speculation. Well, you've taken away because me for me the mystery team in the South is Arizona State. Not because I don't think they're good, but how will they respond to all this crap that's going on down there in Tempe? So I. Well, right. I am taking the favorites off the table. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm doing. Cal, you've talked about Cal in the North. See, you've hit on the two that I think. Cal in the North and, and UCLA in the South. But PK was was really high on Stanford in the North from this perspective. And I'm trying to remember. Um, he, I know PK likes Carl Durrell. He, he's not high on Arizona, obviously. So say maybe by default it's the Bruins. But he wasn't as high on on UCLA as I was. So... Maybe he doesn't believe outside of the top three there will be a factor team. But I, I think it's now or never for Chip Kelly. He's got his upperclassman quarterback. He's been there for a while now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to at some point go out there and make your mark, right? Yeah. And I think it's somewhat similar for Justin Wilcox uh, at Cal. And he's now got an upperclassman quarterback and, and should have a good defense. hopefully for him, that quarterback will stay healthy. Right, big time. Because that's been uh, an issue but uh, he's a, he seems to be a terrific uh, motivator on the defensive side of the ball. So, and those, both those programs have been building for a minute. At some point, it's the the tables have got to start turning. So it's the Bears and the Bruins. <laughs> but Colorado looked good last year, so maybe you can make an argument for the Buffs. Certainly, like Carl Durrell, they lost their quarterback to Oregon State. So maybe you say Oregon State, maybe out of the North. I just don't know. I like their coach, but I don't know if they're. Quite there to, and and by the way, when we when we say make some noise, I don't know what you know. That's a subjective standard to begin with, but you know, be a factor in the conference race. Well, I'll say it this way: if UCLA is good this year, now you're throwing a hand grenade in the closet because there's already enough sort of excitement around USC, Utah, and Arizona State. Which so it, if UCLA adds to yeah. that mix, then holy cow, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Now I think, like we talked about last week, it will come down to 
who beats who with Arizona State, USC, and Utah? I, I think that's the likely decider in the division. Maybe UCLA comes out of nowhere and really contends, but I think maybe UCLA knocks off or wins some games that they're not necessarily supposed to win. But does Utah go 2-0 and against those two teams? If they do, they put themselves in the in the catbird seat, right? Uh, the toughest game for the Utes this year is uh, at the Coliseum. Well, we'll see. I mean, maybe USC sucks. Mm. I don't think USC is going to suck, and it seems like the Utes never win at the Coliseum. So that will be really, really big. Now, obviously, they get Arizona State at Rice-Eccles, and so that's uh, advantage them. Uh, and they get Oregon at the, at uh, Rice-Eccles too, uh, right? So they, they, they're playing some of their more difficult uh, opponents at home, but that USC thing, I just, I've covered a lot of those games down there because <laughs> because I've had the choice of which games to because, cover. Because, yeah, you want to visit <laughs> Southern California and send Cragthorpe <laughs> to Pullman. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I haven't seen the Utes uh, beat the Trojans in L.A., and it hasn't happened for over 100 years, so... Uh, we'll see if it can happen this time around. But I, I do believe that Utah will be very good. Well, if they if they all go one and one and one, right? You know, they all win one game. USC, Arizona State, and Utah all win one game and lose one game. Then things can get a little bit. Well, that stems back to the question you asked: Who is going to be a difference maker? Well, and if you lose both of them, you're out. Being my point, I mean, like you're not going to win the division if you win if you lose both those games. Right, but then if UCLA comes along and is really good. And that team is capable yeah. of and knocking then me off. Yeah, another now, thing. Now you got another landmine to get around. Well, like you and I talked about, I I think the league's going to be pretty good this year. I think this is this is what I think BYU misses by not being in a league. These types of conversations, you know, when the league is down, can you take advantage of it by running the table? When the league is up, you know, how's the competition going to be? You're going to have five or six really good, really good teams on your schedule. So how well can you do against those teams? And if you can, you know, go two and zero against uh, USC and Arizona State, you put yourself in the position to run away with the division. I mean, all, all this stuff is fascinating, right? So, so if what you said is true, if Utah, SC, Arizona State, and UCLA are pretty darn good, and then you have Oregon. Washington, Cal, who are pretty good in the North. PK like Stanford. Yeah. Are they going to devour each other? Right. Well, and, the answer and, and to that, that is probably yes. And we've talked a lot about that, whether that's advantageous or a disadvantage. And it seems like in this day and age, it's a disadvantage. Well, it depends on what you're talking about. If you're just like us, who are focused on Pac-12 football and want to see a great season— well, then it's great for us. But if you're talking about positioning a team to go into the playoff. Or reputation. It, and so, it because, might not be that good. Yeah. But the football itself, the games, you and I sitting down and staying up until 4 o'clock in the morning watching all this, <laughs> uh, all this action, we're going to love it. Because we're going to see some wild games. We're going to see some upsets. Uh, probably, I mean, this, this is where the conversation started. But an unlikely run from somebody. Somebody's going to underachieve. We see that every year, too. Well, someone overachieved. Right. So, I mean, I think the league itself is going to be absolutely a blast to watch. Now, does that put them into the catbird seat for a playoff contender? Probably not. I like your attitude, though. Maybe we're looking at all this wrong. Why are we looking at this as though there has to be an absolute dominant team in order to substantiate or legitimize the Pac-12 as a football league? 
And, and in the past, we've heard, oh, well, there's a lot of good teams in the Pac-12, and that's why nobody has really emerged as a great team. Uh, I'm not sure I've always bought into that. Uh, well, but this year, uh, if that's true, then maybe everybody should look at it just the way you just described. That, hey, man, that, that's some that's some good football to watch, and it's some great competition, and I love that. Uh, I love to see teams go back and forth. I like to see the lead change. Only time I don't like that is when I'm on a tight deadline, and you know. But on the whole, that's isn't that why we're interested in sports in the first place? It is for me. The problem is, is that a team like Clemson does them a disservice because a team like Clemson plays in a terrible league, but yet <laughs> has proved itself over and over again on the biggest stage that they're almost unquestionably legitimate, regardless of how crappy their league is. So then that kind of muddies the water when you look at a league that, you know, has five, six, seven really good teams in it, how difficult it is to navigate that landmine and the, or those landmines. And then we, we get all lost into who's really good and who's not. So in a weird way, Clemson is really doing a disservice to the Pac-12 teams who view themselves as contenders because they're just moonwalking through a crappy league. And there are so many jumping off points from what you just said. Because isn't that wasn't that the beef against BYU in 1984? That they many, didn't play anybody. And many yeah. of the other Lavelle teams that were really good. Well, who'd they play? And then they maybe beat a team in one single game that was a big game. And yeah, well, what does that prove? They would have been beat up if they'd played better competition. Same thing with the Utes when they were in yep. the two undefeated exact season. Exact same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's why Hawaii did the Utes such a di- disservice because when Hawaii did it, they were terrible and then just got waxed in the Sugar Bowl. You remember that? Georgia yeah. just uh, took it to them. So all of a sudden then everybody looks at Utah through a different light, even though that's completely unfair, right? Okay, well, we could build off this later. How about but I, I, like, I like what you're saying here. And it gets me more excited for the Pac-12 football season. Yep. I agree. All right. Out of the zone phone we go. Joining us now, our friend from Syringa Networks. He's our buddy Gabe. What's going on, Gabe? Hey, guys. Just uh, happy to be hanging out here with you guys. Hey, what do you guys mean when uh, when you say there at Syringa Networks that you're a full-service provider? Yeah, so we do uh, more than just uh, telecommunications. That's uh, Obviously, that's a big part of our business. We uh, sell... Internet access, telephone services, um, ways to connect your network together, build custom fiber networks. But we also do, uh, we go beyond that. We also do IT security. We do managed IT services as well. Um, so really the full gamut of anything that is uh, data related, um, generally we do that. And you guys are local, so you're here, so you can absolutely cater to the needs of uh, any business, large or small out there. Yeah, that, that's that's correct. Yeah, we have products and services that um, really uh, are custom fit for really all, all sorts of of customers, regardless of size or even uh, number of locations. And uh, uh, they don't just have to be in Utah. They can you can have offices really anywhere in the world, and we have the ability to provide services for y'all. All right, here's the number to get the ball rolling: eight hundred one, or excuse me. Scratch that. 385, uh, apologies, 385-420-7881, 385-420-7881, or you can go online, syringanetworks.net, S-Y-R-I-N-G-A, syringanetworks.net. Gabe, thank you so much. Thank you, guys.
That's our friend Gabe from Syringa Networks. Again, that number, 385-420-7881. We'll have more Big Show. Jeremiah Jensen joins us coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Robbie Bosco joins us now. Zach Wilson, a guy you know very well and have seen play. Those high picks, they don't sit anymore. What do you think he's facing with the Jets? Zach is going to be an exceptional NFL quarterback. I mean, he's really, really good. All right, before we let you go, Robbie, because I've known you a long time and I like you, if you want to <laughs> walk back that exceptional comment, I'm going to let you do it. You know how no. the media is. You no. feed us exceptional. How are we not going to replay that a million times? Because that was an exceptional comment. That's why. <laughs> Don't walk it back. Up your game. I'm going rookie of the year, Bosco. I'm upping it. That's where I'm at. Look at it. He could be. Doc's a very studious guy and knows what he's doing, so I think he's going to be okay. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire every day. With no credit needed, financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is a great song. Have you seen The Stones? I have not. I saw them uh, when they came here in the early 2000s, whatever year that was, Over 04, 03 or something. No, 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 that was in the 90s. I really wish I would have seen that concert, to be honest. Uh, no, it was here in this building. Oh. I had really good seats because my roommate. Was, <laughs> Your roommate what? So my roommate at the time was, uh, he worked for you, where did he, he worked for a record company. I can't remember specifically what one, but he worked for. But he got free tickets from his work, and we were on the floor. We were like row seven or something. Did you uh, take advantage of that relationship for uh, many, many years? Oh no, he's doing something else now. Uh, But at the time, he knew what a big fan I was, so he invited me to go, and it was awesome. You didn't ask; he just uh, volunteered. Yeah, I didn't ask. No, he he was like, "Hey, got these tickets. You're a fan. Let's go." It was awesome. It was a great show. Uh, and I guess PK's going to see him. I'd, I'd absolutely go see him again. They they were in there like, how old are they now? Because they were old then. Let's see, let me check. And Mick on was that. Mick was still strutting around. That's pretty cool. I uh, did they live up to their uh, to your expectation for them? I would say they exceeded it, honestly. All right, let's get out to the Smart Rain's special guest line. It's no mystery. Utah is in extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. Joining us now, uh, about to fly home from Tokyo, of course. You've been uh, watching his marvelous coverage on Channel 5 KSL. He's our friend Jeremiah Jensen. Jeremiah, how you doing? Well, I'm 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 doing it. I'm gonna I'm doing pretty good because I'm leaving. Yeah, <laughs> it's buddy. over. We're done. Are you, are you ready to come home? Yeah. Are you exhausted? 
Uh, I don't know yet how, you know, I think once I get home, I'll feel it. But right now, um, I think there was just that, you know, the anxiety of, of the games and all the, the adrenaline rush. And I think it's going to start wearing off here probably on the flight home and I'll, I'll be tired. But right now I'm just excited to pack up and get ready to go home and see my family and, and uh, you know, start covering football. <laughs> I'm excited for that. Are you flying in one of those, like, uh, you know, first-class situations where you can kick back, <laughs> lay down, and sleep all the way home? Uh, no, Gordon. Oh. Uh, no, uh, no, no first class for our crew. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna slum it back in the coach. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, we don't get that benefit. So I'll I'll have to uh, uh, do it the hard way. You are flying. You're not floating on a boat, right? <laughs> we are not gonna. We're not jumping on a cruise back to uh, back to the mainland. No, we are gonna fly. So it's uh, it's interesting. We leave Tuesday, which is here in Japan at four thirty, and we get home Tuesday at four thirty, so shouldn't be that long, I guess. You know, just to math, I don't know. Just to make an old old joke that probably the three of us, four of us, and, and very few others would get, but Kurt Cragthorpe would make that float. You know, we would. yeah. You know, it'd be like, that, you know I what, I'm floating it. What'd you call it? I've seen a, a, a chicken, a chicken freighter. Yeah, he's yeah, flying he over all the animal cargo. Like that. <laughs> um, so, Jeremiah, one of the cool parts of, of covering the Olympics, I'm sure, is it's it's a very historic thing, right? You know, the Olympics itself yeah. is is very historic. So, as you look back and tell your grandkids and all this, what it was like to cover the Olympics, or what stood out about this particular Olympics, what what was historic about it from your perspective? Well, uh, the fact that it occurred during a pandemic, I, I think, is the pretty obvious one. Um, and you're going to look back on all the video and photos from this, and athletes going to be wearing masks. And, you know, hopefully by the time I have grandkids, that that's going to be strange to them. Um, right now, that obviously, that's the state we're in. But uh, I, I think that we're going to look back on this Games as, as one that we were fortunate to have because it, it was canceled the first time around. And then the second time around, somehow was pulled off without any fans. Um, during a pandemic uh, in Tokyo here. So that's the number one thing that's going to stand out to me about these games is the fact that it was, it was pulled off during a pandemic. Beyond that, I think the names that are going to stand out to, about these games is obviously Caleb Dressel. I think Simone Biles, uh, that's going to be a story that endures. I, I think that Kevin Durant is, um, he's, he's probably made his legacy here. The Olympics is the greatest Olympic basketball player of all time. I know there's some, there's a couple other players out there that you could argue against, Oscar Schmidt being one of them. But I think that winning three gold medals in the way that he has and done is something that's going to stand out to me. But overall, guys, I mean, obvious, the obvious one is the pandemic and, and the fact that the games were pulled off in these circumstances. Do you think the fact that there weren't many fans around in the stands had any impact on the athletes or the athletes' performances at all? I would think... I have to think yes. I, I think that, you know, from the conversations we've had with with athletes that perform and play, I mean, that's an important factor to them. Um, you know, did it, did it result in any different outcomes that would have been otherwise? It's hard to say that. Um, there was some incredible uh, performances that we witnessed, both in the pool, on the track, on the court, everywhere. Um, you know, did, did the lack of fans and, and energy in the, in the, in the events – have any impact on performance. I mean, clearly not to the extent where there were world records broken and, and things like that, but I think the experience overall was where you could probably judge where it was really affected, where, you know, these athletes deserve to have their families here with them. 
Uh, they deserve to have a big crowd there cheering, which would have added to the atmosphere of the moment. And I think that would have been um, really important for those athletes to have that experience. But to I mean, and now the more I think about it, Gordon, I don't know that. I mean, these athletes train so hard and they're so focused in these moments that once they're actually performing in the moment, I think they're locked in. But I think for their overall experience and for our memories and stuff, it would have been enhanced um, by the presence of crowds and, and people cheering and, and a full house that really deserved to be able to see these, you know, these great performances. Jeremiah, you've been so nice to come on with us a few times throughout the Olympics and before uh, you even left, of course. And uh, we started these conversations off talking about all the Utah representation there in the games. How did the Utahns do? I think pretty darn good. I think if you start with Michaela Skinner, who you know didn't qualify for the any event finals um, the first day she was here, which was just crushing for her. Um, but to get a second chance and to make the most of that check, second chance by winning a silver medal, I mean, what a performance by her and what, you know, the resilience. And, and can you imagine, um, you know, mentally you, you think you're done and then to, you know, you've got two days to get yourself back ready to go and compete at an Olympic level. And she pulled that off and she almost won gold. Um, that's one that stands out. Um, Damian Lillard winning gold with Team USA. Um, he was an important part of that team. Scored a lot of points for them, had some great games here, and played an important role as a teammate, too. I mean, he was willing to defer and allow things, whatever was best for the team. He was allowed to, he allowed that to happen, and he was part of a, of a team that you know, proved a lot of doubters wrong, and I think that that's going to be a great legacy for them. Look at Joe Ingles winning the first bronze medal in Australian history. Rudy Gobert winning silver. That's the first French, French team to win silver in basketball since 2000. Um, yeah, all these, I mean, Nathaniel Coleman winning a silver medal in the new sport of climbing. Um, that's a lot of medals that uh, some Utahns are taking back. Um, Amanda Chittister is a Salt Lake City resident. She won silver in uh, softball. I could go on. This list goes on and on. Eddie Alvarez, who um, a lot of folks know, won, won a medal and now in, uh, in only the sixth to win a medal in both Winter and Summer Olympics. These are Utahns, people that live in Utah, and uh, they had a big impact on these games. Those are some names that I think you've all heard and seen in our coverage. And so... Overall, um, for Utah athletes that, that came here, they had an impact, there's no doubt. And for some of them to go home with medals, whether you know, they're from Team USA or other countries, is, is incredible. The women's volleyball team had a couple of Utah connections yes. with Coach Karts Karai. He lives, uh, where does he live? Is it Heber? He uh, lives in Heber City. Yeah. Yep. And they're, they're Lucas Labe, who is one of their assistant coaches, is a BYU guy. So, yeah, even, even in the coaching ranks in, in some of these uh, teams, yeah, there's a lot of Utah connections and. You know, it's not quite like it is in the Winter Olympics, but, uh, I mean, we've got more than a dozen uh, Utahns I just met, we've all mentioned here in this conversation that are coming home with a medal, so that's pretty impressive. You mentioned the track performances. There were some uh, – the, uh, <laughs> what's her name, Allison Felix? I mean, uh, yeah. some of the things she was able to accomplish were, were stirring uh, some of the uh, – some of the relay races uh, outside the men's 4 by 100 which was kind of a, a low point. But uh, there, there were some stirring moments in watching those events. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great Olympics for women's track and field, in, in my opinion. Um, they were the stars of the show on the track. Um, and you look at what some of those women did. And the, the showdown between Sydney McLaughlin and Dalila Muhammad was one of the must-see things of the Olympics. That was incredible. Um, and you look at the performance of a lot of the U.S. women um, in, the, in the different events that came home with, with gold medals, silver medals, bronze medals. That was an impressive haul. But then, of course, you got to touch on the – you mentioned the, the, the men's side of sprinting. 
um, which the United States used to own. I mean, look back in the days of Carl Lewis, and you go on and on and back in, in, in the history, those days feel long gone. And so there is some area for improvement with Team USA and track and field that, you know, Carl Lewis was very critical of the 4x100-meter relay team that didn't even qualify for the final. So there's a lot of work to be done on that side to get men's sprinting back on top. But um, if you look at the women's side, man, they were they were spectacular in this Olympics, and I think that's also – I mentioned some of those things that you'll remember about the Olympics. I think that those things as well are going to be remembered for sure as far as what the women, the Team USA women did on the track. Was there a sport, Jeremiah, that you think advanced itself in any kind of major way by being a part of the Olympics that, uh, you know, that maybe hadn't been prior to? Skateboarding. I think uh, we, we've I, – I think there's always been this, you know, the, the – you know, the, the extreme sports, I guess you can call them, the action sports, the, the do-tour, um, X-games type of sports. I mean, they've always, I guess, maybe from an Olympic standpoint, been looked down upon. But uh, the skateboarding was very successful in this Olympics. There was a lot of, you had a lot of young people involved in, in skateboarding. And, and some of those young people, athletes as young as 13 years old, winning medals, and uh, that's going to have an impact on young kids around the globe that see that as an opportunity to, to be a part of the Olympics that might be skating now as, as they look ahead. So I think skateboarding, if you're looking at one new sport here that had the greatest impact and may have the biggest impact on the future and, and maybe brought a lot of young eyeballs into the Olympics when the Olympics badly needed that, I'm going skateboarding. I think it had a huge impact. So i got a couple more questions uh, that don't have – much to do with the Olympics. It's this, Jeremiah. I know you're, what are you, 5,500 miles away from us, maybe yeah. maybe farther, I don't know. But your thoughts on what the Jazz have been doing? Oh, uh, I, you know, I, I, I would, I would, I, it's, it's easy. <laughs> you see what happens. And, you know, we do this every year. Oh, it looks good, you know, but you never really know until down the line. But if I'm just going to, you know, analyze what they've done, it's, I think it's brilliant. I'll start with the draft. I think that for them to be able to trade out of the first round but still get first-round value at number 40, um, that's outstanding. And uh, they turned that second-round pick uh, that they got from Memphis into Eric Paschal in a trade that's going to help their roster in depth. Um, I love the Rudy Gay signing. I think he's exactly what they needed, um, somebody that can, you know, veteran presence that can knock down shots and also defend. But, you know, they've, they've went out and got the versatility that they needed looked in less in, and they got that versatility without having to give up any of the core players. And they also were able to reduce their tax bill with having, without having to give up any of their core players. I know from a fan's perspective, you're going to miss Derek favors. Um, but you know, that they had to move that contract. And so I think what uh, Justin Zanuck and company did um, during the, the off season is a master class and how you operate when you have no room for free agency and you're, you're in the tax and you need to improve your roster, I, I can't poke any holes into anything that they did where I see any, any place where I can criticize them. So that's a credit to them that, that they performed that well and, and that they've made us, uh, what we seem to be now, what seems to be now an improvement into the roster uh, that's going to help them with some of the issues that they had that prevented them from moving on to the playoffs last year. I think you have to give them credit. So I'd give them an A. And uh, I, I think that Justin Zanuck did a terrific job at making this roster better with these restrictions that he had. Okay, two more quick ones. One is Jake and I were talking earlier. Are you more convinced now that Rudy Gobert might be able to be effective in the low post uh, when there is a defender between him and the basket based on what he did 
for the French team. I, I, you know what? You, you bring something up, and I hope people are watching. I think that there is that opportunity. Now, it's up to the Jazz team, uh, his teammates that, that handle the ball to find him quicker and find him earlier, um, you know, coming off screens. And, and when he, 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 he's open at certain times, and we've all seen it. You've watched where Rudy's open, and there's this inability for, sometimes for those in the backcourt to find him. Um, and uh, you know, I think Mike Conley's did a terrific job with that, but um, he wasn't always. Obviously, he didn't play in every game, and so there was issues with that. So yes, there are there's a, there are those opportunities, and if you want to know, just watch the film in the Olympics and watch what Rudy was able to do offensively for France. And if the Jazz are smart, they're going to look at that and they're going to figure out, okay, how can we get Rudy more involved in the offense? How can we take advantage of this? Um, that you know, we look at these things that he did in the Olympics. How do we bring that in? Um, to what we're doing with the Utah Jazz. So there's definitely that opportunity. And then finally this. Jake and I, unbeknownst to what the other was doing, wore I wore a Beatles T-shirt into the studio today, and he wore a Rolling Stones T-shirt. Completely coincidental. Coincidental. So the question to you is, are you a Beatles guy or a Stones guy? Ooh. I mean, I... That, I would, I would say, I, I would, I would, I would throw out. I'm a Led Zeppelin guy, but since you're only giving me two options there, I'd probably go Stones. To be honest with you. All right. Um, sorry, Gordon. That's okay. We like, uh, we both like to get the lead out too, Jeremiah. You know, it's all good. Good. Okay. Yeah, well, we're, we, we we're can all. That's the thing, guys. That's going to bridge this gap and bring us all together. <laughs> good rock and roll music. Stones. Why don't we just all listen to Led Zeppelin? There you go. All right, buddy. Hey, thank you, uh, honestly, for dropping by the show so much while you've been over there. We really appreciate it. Great work covering it. And uh, we'll see you when you get back. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. I hope everybody enjoyed the coverage, enjoyed the Olympics. And now it's on to football season. You bet. Thanks, Jeremiah. You got it. There's our friend Jeremiah Jensen from Channel 5, KSL. And, uh, yeah, they've done a great job covering it over there. And Jeremiah was right out there in front. What a cool experience. Austin thought he was going to take the slow boat home. But, oh. No, I think he's flying. It's probably good. And isn't that China, not Japan? <laughs> I don't know. Beats me. That A slow boat me. to China. Yeah, that's the phrase. China, yeah. Would you... Uh, Those are two different countries. Does you know. that sound fun to you, to take uh, a cruise across a major ocean? No. It's a long trip. Sounds like a bad way to die. <laughs> well, it, I mean, I guess it depends on if you've made stops. I mean, just... Well, there like, are no stops. Midway Island, you could do, uh, and you could kind of recreate the <laughs> Who island. Stops at Midway Island. Gonna, Swing by Bikini Atoll, like a like a like a history tour of the island <laughs> well, hopping so you campaign. Could check out some radiation. Well, I mean, maybe you stop in Hawaii, I guess. But if you're crossing the Atlantic, I talked to someone the other day who <laughs> said that's that- that's on his bucket list. He wants to take. An ocean liner, a legitimate ocean liner, not a cruise ship. An ocean liner uh, from from the East Coast to uh, Southampton. Good for him, and preferably not when there's any ice in the water. A market update is coming up next. Stay tuned. It's the Big Show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone.
The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON. On your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, hey guys. Jake here for my friends at Peach Window and Door. And listen, these guys are great. Cindy and her group are phenomenal. They will take great care of you. This is a locally owned and operated company. They are passionate Utah Jazz fans. They have been Utah's premier window and door retailer uh, since 1993. Here's the thing. They do custom work. They combine beauty and technology. And most importantly, they get you what you want. If you can dream it, they can do it. Trust me, they are terrific. And customer service is absolutely a priority, which is something that's missing these days, of course. Listen, they don't do the subcontractor thing. They have their own installation crews, which means they're not handing you off to anybody. You're not going to get ghosted. And this is a little simple rule of thumb at Peach, that if you call them or contact them, they will respond. You will communicate with a human being. That is what they believe in. No high-pressure sales simply want to make sure they create satisfied customers and of course they back it up with guarantees to do so they have zero percent interest financing available they do free in-home estimates so get the ball rolling today you can go to peachbuildingproducts.com find out why they have over 255 star reviews on google go by their showroom great showroom 2940 south 300 west just beautiful or call set up one of those uh, in-home estimates 801-566-1255 that's 801 Five six six one two five five. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire every day. With no credit needed, financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for a market update brought to you by TridayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TridayTrading.com. How'd the markets do today, Gordon? Well, it was a mixed bag today, Jake. The Dow was off 106 points. Yeah, you idiot. You really did screw that up. The NASDAQ, on the other hand, was up uh, just over 24 points. You got a good thing going here. Keep it going. And the S&P was off uh, four points. What is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Good to have Austin back. It is. To have those great creative drops. By the way, we can do this a little bit later on in the show. We just had Jeremiah Jensen uh, on talk about the Olympics. Uh-huh. I saw a pretty, and I saw this video floating around the old interwebs, a pretty diabolical move. And you are the moral authority on the show. So at some point, I want to get your opinion on whether or not this is okay. above board or not. All right. Now, do you want me to show you during the break, or do you want me to blindside you with it? You can, either way, whatever. You're, what's okay. your pleasure? Okay. All right. Well, we've got Mike Conley coming up next, his uh, press conference, so maybe we'll do it at the the 4.30 segment. All right. Sounds good to All me. Right. Go ahead and blindside me. 
Hmm, I wonder which way you're going to go on this one. I really, actually, I know which way you're going to you go. You do not. I, I do. I, I think I know you well enough to predict which way <laughs> you're going to go on this one. I hate being predictable. All right, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now is hanging out with us, uh, our friend from Syringa Networks. He's our buddy, Gabe. All right, Gabe, uh, it's kind of a different world these days, right? A lot of uh, remote employees out there. That means what you do is more important than ever. That's got to be kind of nice. Yeah, you know, it, it really is. Uh, you know, we've, we've enjoyed being able to help quite a bit of uh, business owners uh, enable their workforces to be able to work from home on a permanent basis by providing um, full-service IT and telecom solutions for them. So that's been that's been a real real nice thing to be able to, to help the uh, community out with. You know, the thing about it is I bet it, you know, more volume, more people, all that, it creates more problems uh, sometimes uh, with variety of things, and that's why you guys are, are here. You're here to help, and you're here to do whatever you can, right? Yeah, that, that's correct. I mean, when you have that many uh, people working from home, um, security becomes one of the, the really the, the top issues that you've got to contend with in terms of protecting your data. And then um, then the other thing is making sure they've got the right type of connectivity so that they can continue to work remotely from, from their home. So uh, those are the, the types of issues that we're helping uh, our clients with. All right. If you're uh, interested out there, a couple ways to go to get things started, go to syringanetworks.net, S-Y-R-I-N-G-A, syringanetworks.net, or call 385-420-7881. That's 385-420-7881. Gabe, we appreciate you. Thank you uh, very much, sir. Thank you, guys. We're going to hear from Michael Conley coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Former Washington Husky receiver, new BYU Cougar receiver, Puka Nakua. Kind of walk us through the decision to come back to Utah. It's crazy how everything pretty much comes full circle and to be back home right here in Provo. It's something I didn't see. But uh, kind of just some family discussions and then some talk with my, obviously, Samson. And we come back as a duo. So both of us have the opportunity to come back and play in front of our family in the hometown. And there's nothing like playing in front of the family and the opportunity presented itself here at BYU so it was something that we missed out on in high school and we got to play when we were younger but my older brother Kai and Isaiah played against each other in high school and me and Samson played against each other so when we had a chance to team up I think we got to take it for sure. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.